0: Hello, listeners, we'd like to recap the year of 2021 by reminiscing on some of our favorite podcasts. Here are some of our favorite soundbites in sequential order from Luke Eplin discussing Bob Feller, to Raymond Kemp's illustrious career in the Navy, to Jim Brady on the state of journalism, and also the San Diego Padres relief pitcher Craig Stammen talking some baseball. If you haven't had the chance to listen to some of these episodes, they are available at org in the podcast section. We thank our listeners for a great year, and there will be plenty of more content next year.
1: He is just a phenom. I think that we've never had a better origin story in Major League Baseball than Bob Feller's. It's like the American dream writ large, just sort of a you know a country boy going from the farmlands to the majors and just kind of striking everybody out. It was, it was such a phenomenon that whenever Bob Feller graduated high school the next year, uh, his high school graduation ceremony was, was broadcast live on the radio from coast to coast. He was extraordinary. And he immediately kind of starts excelling. He has a few bumps in his early seasons, but then by the time he's 22, he has 100 wins and over 1,000 strikeouts. I mean, there's sort of no telling what his ceiling could be.
0: Something on this podcast we don't talk enough about is the travel aspect of the Navy. Mm. So what was it like getting to travel with the Navy and experience different places?
2: Oh, man, it's crazy. So, again, I'm kind of a country dude from Oklahoma. First time I got on an airplane was on my way to boot camp, right? So the first time I left the country, I went to the Virgin Islands. So the ship was going around the Horn of South America. So we pulled out of Philly. Pulled into St. Thomas and I was like, man, this is bananas. I mean, it was extremely beautiful, super blue water and so forth. But I was on the beach and, you know, with a group of people and just amazed because Oklahoma is a landlocked uh, state. So I hadn't seen the ocean in that type of way. And so it was uh, man, it was just amazing. But I look up into, into the sky and I see a daggone pterodactyl. And I'm like, Flock of Flame. And this is before Jurassic Park. So I'm like, what in the world is a pterodactyl doing? And I begin to feel this surge of anxiety. But I'm looking around and nobody else is tripping. And I'm like, do they not see this pterodactyl that is just consuming the sky, in my perspective, coming down? It, was, you know, it was, turns out Atlanta it was a pelican. But to me, you know, it didn't look like a pterodactyl. And so I was bugged
3: out. you know, the beautiful thing about newspapers was, um, you know, you could charge 25 cents for the newspaper when it costs, you know, tons more than that to make it because you had advertisers paying the bills. So, you know, that was one of the problems. It doesn't the 25 cents you put in is really the price to open that newspaper box. If you want to go back to the old days, it wasn't the cost of actually producing that paper. The cost of producing the paper was astronomically higher. It was just, if you could get local car dealers and banks and other companies to pay you huge amounts of money to reach that audience that you were reaching, it could subsidize basically the price for the consumer. And so, I mean, as I always joke, there's a reason you can put a quarter in a newspaper machine and take all of them if you want, right? If they really were making money on that, it would be like a vending machine. You know, you get one Kit Kat bar for a buck. You don't get to take them all. But in newspapers, they let you take them all because at the end of the day, that wasn't where they were making their money. It was on advertising. The problem with digital is that it's flipped now, and that uh, digital advertising is so so prevalent, just to be valueless now. It's easy to buy for almost nothing, and so the companies that are, are that used to make ninety percent of their money in advertising are now making you know thirty percent of their money.
4: And the same thing with uh, Fernando Tatis Junior. As soon as he got to the big leagues, our team became a great team, and we saw last year you know the impact that he can have on playoff games on regular season games and at any moment he can uh, change the game, whether it's on defense, whether he's running the bases or, or at the plate. And he's such a great kid too. It's, it's awesome to be his teammate. I'm proud to be his teammate. Uh, And he's going to probably earn every dollar that he's going to get paid here over the next 14 years. So good for him. I'm glad that uh, he's going to be a San Diego Padre for, uh, for a very long time.
0: To our listeners this conversation concludes this episode of the American Valor podcast. This conversation was brought to you by the Bob Feller Act of Valor Award Foundation, the Department of the Navy, Major League Baseball, USAA, BWXT, the Huntington Ingalls, and the Cleveland Indians. Please leave your comments in the comment section below and connect with the Bob Feller Act of Valor Award Foundation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Active Valor Award. You can engage with the foundation at activevaloraward.org. There you can learn more about Bob Feller, Jerry Coleman, recent nominees of the awards, view pictures, and sign up for updates, including the American Valor podcast and more. For all of us here at the American Valor podcast, I am Leo Manchetti. Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time.